0: SAFM leading the conversation. The viewpoint 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songezo Mapete on SAFM. Hello, Oliver. Hi, Songezo. How are you? Well, man. How's it? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Huh? I've given you five topics. Pick one. Go to town. Uh... <laughs> Budget speech. Zoomatela meeting. <laughs> what's happening at Ngandla. Ganja, just for whatever reason, can't stand at the news, eh? Political space being called to be opened by the EFF, former Minister of Social Development and former Chairperson of the ANC Women's League, Watablet Lamini, her comments on the judiciary. Pick one, go for it. Uh,
1: Let's start with uh, Watablet Lamini and Mm. her saying that she can't pay um, the the personal cost order issued against her by uh, the Constitutional Court. Um, That, for me, is an interesting one because... She's not the only politician who's out of work um, at the moment. I mean, uh, she's employed at Lutuli House, but we know how salaries go there. Uh, they're few and far between, if at all. Um, and here it is. And so, so now the question is, what, what do we do about a delinquent minister, so to speak, who has, who has to take personal accountability through the form of a cost order uh, for decisions and actions they made inside the office they held? Um, and to that extent, I think we're finding ourselves in a crisis because she's not the only politician, so to speak, facing cost order. Um, as we know currently, our public protector, who by no definition of a politician is a politician, but is facing two different uh, personal cost orders. Um, it's 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 a wonder to me that she has any salary left at the end of the day, and she's currently on leave. And I think um, I want to highlight the words of Uh, uh, Justice Chris Jafta, who in the Constitutional Court said uh, in the last application of cost orders against the public protector, said that he's worried about the direction that the courts are taking when it comes to uh, awarding cost orders for or against uh, a certain uh, character. He's worried about it because it seems that the judiciary is starting to think that any punitive measure against um, a person making irrational decisions is, a, uh, is, um, is 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 cost orders, and that it's unsustainable. And I want to echo that that same sentiment tonight. And I want to say that it is incredibly unstable, uh, unsustainable. But Tablet Daminis' case is about three years old um, at the moment, since that, that judgment was handed down in 2018. We're in 2021, that would make it three years at some point this year. Um, and and this matter is coming up now, and and, and I wonder if this uh, will become a rallying point for her as a politician to start, you know, um, on, on, on the political implication of it, to start doing like what Jacob Zuma Foundation did, which is to <laughs> raise funds to fund these legal costs. Um, and, and you know, the king in, in, in KwaZulu-Natal did the same, raised funds for legal costs uh, when he was defending the um, the land trust, uh, so to speak, and that could give Batabli Damini real political power because it becomes a rallying point. Um, and that leads me to the Ace Marashula corruption trial. What happened in Bloemfontein last Before we week, go
0: there, I just want to engage that point in relation to the concern you echo of Justice Jafta. One, no court will ever find what it has not been requested to find. There's clearly a constituency in the public administration that is sick and tired, of principles not doing what principles are mandated to do, a lot of which, or, or a lot of that mandate, is a constitutional obligation. The courts, granted, they are empowered to make an order that is just and equitable, and they have wide powers to, to the extent that they feel appropriate, make an order. But that power is somewhat undergirded by the fact that parties submit arguments which prevail or do not. In instances where a costs order is found against an errant politician, as Batabile Dlamini has been shown to be not once, not twice, more than that. Why should the court be the one brought into the fray on the basis of that concern, as opposed to us being worried that the courts are being forced to go that route, because in the first place, we don't have a public service that owes its fidelity truly to the Constitution and behaves accordingly.
1: Uh, look, just because uh, an application for a court order uh, for a personal cost order is there, doesn't mean the court has to grant it. Um, that's the first. The second is um, at the time. I think time and context matters uh, at the time, and and, and you're you're obviously uh, better able to rationalise this. Uh, Courts take into consideration affordability when it hands down a cost order at the time. But Lamini had a two million uh, rand salary a year, more than that, um, and the court calculated this woman can afford it right she's got a job she this is how much she earns uh, this is a cost order that we think uh, uh one does not bury her but a few months after that she was without a job because she was no longer a minister when Thabo Ramaphosa was able to do his 2018 cabinet reshuffle um and, and 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 now context has changed she's no longer someone that can afford it another politician that is um that is out of work for instance uh, that had cost order application against him, but luckily one that um, was Malusi Gigaba, and that was outside um, him uh, him being out of uh, out of work and that would have been the the fireblade case with the oppenheimer 's, for instance um, and so I think uh, in that instance we we can then come to a conclusion that uh, personal cost orders against political principles is not sustainable if we're going to assume that they wasted the court's time, they did not respect the court, they did not respect the judiciary, or they acted in complete bad faith. Um, There must be something, um, I think, more, um, uh, you know, impactful that can be done to change that behavior. If it is the case that we want to change that attitude and behavior and perhaps even mitigate that from happening further into the future and i just don't think this is an example thereof. it creates the impression that something is being done at the judiciary is acting but if 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 nothing materially changes then uh we might have to reconsider the the course of action
0: i have more to say on that but you wanted to speak about ace
1: right and so politically um court cases uh, in south africa and i guess we can add to that list commission appearances becomes a rallying point, right? Uh, We've seen, for instance, in 2019, uh, Jacob Zuma outside the Peter Maritzburg High Court in his arms deal case, uh, having thousands of people and him speaking uh, for an hour through a megaphone um, and and was able to uh, punt his political positioning. And and oftentimes these have become... and, And if we rewind to the Jacob Zuma rape trial, same thing happened there. And this is where... Politicians, politicians are able to, to, to demonstrate a show of force um, and are able to, uh, you know, rally an audience, a crowd uh, that, uh, you know, strengthens them leading up to an elective conference. Jacob Zuma has none coming up, but Ace Marashule has one coming up. And his, his trial in uh, uh where he drove through the streets, well, the, obviously the crowd wasn't that big for obvious reasons, but uh, we, and, and we give, we, politicians find their power and, 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 and galvanizing in that moment. And we as the media might have to reconsider how we, uh, you know, we broadcast and cover these stories because we may be uh, amplifying whoever's power it is at the time, unduly so, uh, by focusing on the spectacle and not on the substance. Um, and I think that's what's happening with Ace Mahashule in in, in that particular trial on a political level, right? Um, one, he's not the only ANC leader um, facing uh, adversarial uh, court processes. For instance, uh, in May this year, our minister, our deputy president, Didi Mabuza, uh, will be going up against Fred Daniels uh, in 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 their court case. Uh, based on decisions that Didi Mabuza made at the time he was the premier of Mpumalanga. That, too, will become a rallying point for Didi Mabuza uh, and whatever uh, political aspirations he has. Um, a lot of developments are happening uh, with his incumbent in in in, in, uh, in Mpumalanga. She's already made her move as being uh, for being the first provincial uh, uh, chairperson of the ANC in the province. And I think that alliance between the two of them will play itself out there, Similarly, how Ace Marashule's uh, alliances uh, are playing out now. And what we were able to see last week is who exactly uh, falls into what will become the Ace Marashule slate, so to speak, in the run-up to the 2022 uh, elective conference of the ANC. Um, And and, and that, for me, has just been an interesting display of politics um, at that moment. And I can't wait for the Cyril Ramaphosa version of this to play itself out. uh, What do you mean by the Cyril
0: Ramaphosa version?
1: Uh, When Cyril Ramaphosa finally makes an appearance before the State Capture Commission of Inquiry uh, um, in March next month, um, and when he finally makes an appearance before the ANC Integrity Commission after his um, CR17 case has been settled uh, in the court. And so, again, we will see then who falls into what slate. And I think uh, anyone watching this play out at the moment, watch for who says what around the time because it gives you an indication about where and how the ANC is busy dividing itself. The division is not a once-off static one. It's an ongoing division, um, and, and, and this, this, these are the moments where we get to see that develop, um, and it gives us an idea about our politics coming in the next couple of years.
0: I'm going to ask this question. Malo after the break, we engage it. You've mentioned the current president. You have mentioned the current deputy president. We have spoken about a former president. We've spoken about a former minister and a former leader of the ANC Women's League. We've spoken about a former premier and the current member, I mean the current secretary general of the ANC. You've given us six personalities, six senior personalities at a party level and at state level, at least a couple of former. What does not change is... This is not how we should be talking about our leaders. This is not the context in which our leaders' names should be engaged. Absolutely. Appearing before courts, having to answer questions about, first of all, their integrity, their work, and service, service to the people. What I want you to respond to is that whatever one says about any of this, we clearly have a problem in our governance and the structures that give us these personalities. I want you to tackle that after the break. Mr. Oliver Dixon, independent political analyst, after the break. SMS SAFM now on 41391. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhe on SAFM. We're taking your calls on Johannesburg 482 1510. Johannesburg. 482-1510. We're talking all things politics for the most part. My guest, Mr. Oliver Dixon, is an independent political analyst, giving us a sense as to exactly what it is that is gripping the political landscape in the country. Please drop us a voice note if you wish to do so, 614 104 Oliver asked a question, our governance, the structures, the system, the people we get, and the kind of controversies, if I can call it that, that just get themselves embroiled in time after time. What does it say about the body polity of the country?
1: Um, You know, it's easy, uh, Songhez, to think that we're in a political crisis to uh, the scale of a a near-failing state uh, type of uh, arrangement, and uh, we don't have to look far. Uh, to to find examples of what that looks like. It looks like most of what our continent looks like. Um, And and, and while we talk about terrible governance, I must talk about the strength of our democratic institutions, the strength of our constitution at safeguarding us against... uh, you know politicians who are who act in nefarious who he, um, means, who are often inculcitrant when it comes to uh, uh, you know legal processes and and, and that sort of thing. Uh, because you and I are speaking about Jacob Zuma and the Gupta's in for the most part in past tense. Um, <laughs> you know, and he was only in office for uh, nine years. Uh, if we were anywhere else on the continent. Uh, you know, uh, our children and our children's children would be having the same conversation about the same man when they're politically active. Um, and that is the case, for instance, anywhere
0: on the African continent. Should that be our standard? Pardon? Should that be our standard?
1: No, it's it's one I pointed out because I think we must realize that it could be much worse. And then start, and then and, and realizing that it could be much worse, appreciate the structures, processes, traditions that are in could it not be better it, it certainly can be better and so that and that brings me to the second point the only recourse uh, ultimate recourse that we have as a citizenry as a, a, a voting member of society is that you can vote different and that sends the strongest message um, uh, to any governing structures um, part of why the ANC is dramatically falling apart is because they're you know steadily losing grip on power um, and and we've seen this for instance in in the local in the last uh, local government election and we'll see a lot more of that in this local government election We saw that in the last national election where uh, they're dipping closer and closer to the fifty percent mark and you know one or two terms from now might dip uh, below it, where, where they would have completely lost power. And so it can only get better if we decisively won vote against the ANC or demand. And I think as a country, we've demonstrated our ability to demand for real actionable accountability to to, to be taken. Um, and it may not always be complete, but it certainly gets us closer to the mark. I am from the fees must fall generation, and I think that for me is an incredible example of, of what protest culture in this country is capable uh, of achieving. So as a citizenry, let's not forget the power we have through that, uh, through one, being able to just demand on the streets with our voices uh, accountability and, and action, but also do that through the ballot box. But secondly, and most importantly, we must uh, uh, not let uh, our politicians get away with not answering uh, the hard questions um, it, it's often very difficult to get a hold of them when they have hard questions to answer but we must demand that okay. uh, of them because this is a trajectory that I think South Africa uh, is going to go f- for the next few years and that could put our democracy in danger
0: let's engage the listeners your thoughts on what Mr. Dixon has said let's take a voice note first and then we will go to the caller so far Sakila calling us from Durban again Johannesburg four eight two fifteen ten. get your calls in please
2: Check the viewpoint at 106.7 FM in Utrecht KZN.
1: This is also too deep. Uh, i like to comment about Esma Hashule's case. You see, once our politicians, their cases are postponed too far, you must know those cases, they are no longer exist. In our eyes, they are going to vanish. August is too far. So, obvious, Esma Khashule, nobody will be talking about that case. They will forget people of South Africa,
0: they need to be free. Sakilen in Durban, good evening.
2: Good evening, some the I NAKF. But I, I think some the, sometimes we, 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 you know, we, we, we over-exaggerate things, if we oversize them. In other countries, not even in the, our continent, in the Western world, so-called Western world, we have politicians who blow up other people's countries, like, all of the countries, they blow it down and there's not even, you know, a court case. At least in our country, they have a court case. And people are, you know, in the way or the other, they are being held accountable. But I've just read, um, I listened to the sauna last week. I, I read it myself. And, um, yeah, Mr. President still calls land expropriation without compensation, land reform. I don't think land expropriation is going to happen with the the leadership of the ANC you know even we, we had the the process in parliament which which is changing the constitution yet they brought another process which is parallel which is a, a bill and i have read the bill and yeah I, it doesn't sound like what their branches wanted from them i just don't think it's going to happen you know I, I i don't think it's going to happen but we have to see because when the president starts saying, you know, land reform, we're going to have land community, Ah, you see now these people that are not serious. Which means they were not serious even about it because they voted Twice against it in Parliament when it was raised by the AFF. Twice Mm. before they realized, okay, this Mm. is a hot potato. Let me go with it.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sakile. I think I might agree with you for the most part in relation to, I don't genuinely think it is within the ANC's DNA for the program of land expropriation without compensation. I don't know if you have alternative thoughts to that because I think that's the point that sticks in this last contribution. Oliver?
1: Um, Yeah, look, there's absolutely no political will within the ANC to get on with the job of land expropriation without compensation. Um, I think uh, at the time, at the height of the airtime of that conversation, the ANC engaged with it uh, because of political experience. Yeah, sure, uh, it is is captured and documented in its uh, conference resolutions, um, and it is now a policy of the party. uh, But uh, the extent and level to which uh, action was taken on it and if we look back and and, and, say, and try to point out uh, what has been done as far as uh, getting the work done uh, concerned, very little we can point. I mean, just, just in 2019, um, Cedric Froelich, who was the chairperson of the Ad Hoc uh, Portfolio Committee, had to step down from that Portfolio Committee on Land Expropriation Without Compensation because he, he uh, was found with his hand in the cookie jar, um, and so pointed out by Angelo Agrizi before the uh, Zonda Commission, uh, having uh, you know benefited uh, personally and directly from Busasa.
0: Vincent um, Smith, same
1: thing. Uh, Vincent Smith, my my apologies, not not Cedric Frolic. Um uh, And and so uh, to that extent, it 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 just it just shows you and 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 the process through which he was then uh, replaced was one that was so sloppishly handled by uh, the ANC chief who at the, at the time and uh, the ANC caucus leader at the time, that it begs the question whether the ANC at all takes serious uh, the parliamentary process around this law-making journey. Um, and uh, if, if we're being honest, there's really only one political party that truly has uh, the political will for this in parliament, and it's the EFF. Um, and in, in a multi-parliamentary democracy, um, you know, one in... Uh, tens of political parties, um, you know, is often not enough uh, to make it. No, you're right. Enough you're
0: enough. right. Let me just quickly take a couple of calls because they have come through. Sheriff in Pretoria and Don in Clipsprate. Sheriff, go for it. Uh,
2: good evening, you, sir, and uh, good evening to your guests as well. Um, just a quick one. This past weekend, there's a statement that is being associated to the former president that uh, the loss of this country. Are not strong enough are not fighting those who are involved in corrupt activities and and therefore that's why they're thriving i'm just wondering what is the what the thinking of your guest said. does he agree with that statement and what is it that we can do to improve this laws if they're not fighting enough thank you
0: Beautiful. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very much. Let's go to Don in Clipsbrate. Don in Clipsbrate. Hello. Indeed, Donny. Hello. Let's move on. Your final comments, Oliver.
1: Um, yeah, very, very uh, important uh, question there by uh, the voice note we had just listened to before um, Don went radio silent us there. Um, and 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 I do think that, um, you know, oftentimes in, 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 in our conversation, we forget that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And we narrowly focus on single issues uh, and don't want to point out the shortcomings of both or all sides in a political matter. And so It is definitely the case that Jacob Zuma is being incalcitrant and that his statement needs to be taken very serious uh, for what it means for what we do as far as accountability is concerned in this country. But we also need to take serious that the things Jacob Zuma says about uh, uh, Raymond Zondo are things not to be taken lightly because it really does uh, call into question the uh, complete integrity of Raymond Zondo, not being entirely forthcoming, for instance, um, in, in that recusal application uh, that he turned down, that is now before uh, the High Court, um, and if, if that is the case, and potentially this is going to be our next uh, Chief Justice, you know, um, and 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 if 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 it is the case that he's not completely forthcoming about it, that. Um, Jacob Zuma said things that uh, Zondo did not take serious or did not want to take serious that are material to their relationship uh, and what happens before the commission of inquiry, then we have hard questions to ask Zondo as well. Um, And he should answer it and we should demand those from him. Just because uh, we're more pissed off at Jacob Zuma's incalcitrant behavior doesn't mean that we must uh, let slip and let slide uh, Zondo's own shortcomings in this matter.
0: Yeah, for sure. The price for freedom Archbishop Desmond Tutu once said his eternal vigilance, especially against state actors. Oliver, thank you for your time. Thanks for your thoughts. Thanks for your perspectives. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hashtag can wrap. That was it. Mr. Oliver Dixon, independent political analyst, is out.